the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. (laughs) Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue this uh, Star Wars Day edition of the Tom Sumner Program. If you're a uh, fan of the Star Wars franchise or even the uh, Big Bang Theory TV show, you're going to really enjoy my next guest coming up in a few minutes. Uh, He is the author of a new book called Chasing the Ghost. His name is uh, Leonard Cole, and uh, the book is about Nobelist Fred Raines and the Neutrino. Um, Let's see if I can tell you a little bit more about Leonard. He's... uh, Oh, yeah. Um, He's a bioterrorism expert and uh, also an expert on terror medicine. He is an adjunct professor at Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School and uh, in political science at Rutgers University, Newark. Um, Anyway, it's uh, it's it's an interesting book, but we have a few minutes before uh, before my conversation with Leonard gets underway, and so I thought since we're uh, sort of celebrating, uh, let's see, do we still have the yeah little little uh, music from John Williams from Star Wars, but. Um, I thought we'd squeeze in, as I like to do when we have an extra few minutes, some local music. This is from Flint's own uh, Greg Marsden, in, uh, or Craig Marsden, rather. I can't believe I said Greg. Um, I also can't believe in the final segment of last hour, I missed my cue to set up the, the segment uh, 
of old-time radio recreated by the Tom Sumner studio players of uh, Flash Gordon. But, uh, be that as it may, here's music from Craig Marston. Welcome back as we continue our uh, salute to Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. It is, in fact, May the 4th, and uh, that's for some uh, all it takes to want to celebrate the uh, Star Wars franchise. But I thought we'd have uh, a little fun with it today by mixing up uh, 
we have uh, three authors featured, plus the uh, what we heard last hour um, toward the end there, uh, a, an excerpt from the old radio serial from 1935, Flash Gordon. Um, just kind of mixing science and science fiction, a little bit about uh, the arc of genius last hour with Claudia Kalb, this hour uh, chasing the ghost, um, novelist uh, Fred Rines and the neutrino, the subject of Leonard Cole's book, and we'll talk all about that in just a uh, moment or so. And then coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, the author of um, a new Rick Riordan Presents offering, Gracie, uh, Gracie Kim's book uh, is called The Last Fallen Star and it's uh, part of the gifted it's well it's a gifted clans novel and uh, we'll find out what all that means from Gracie coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour but up next we're going to talk way over my head about the neutrino the discovery of it and the uh, life of the uh, discoverer from Leonard Cole so Stay tuned. Leonard Cole, straight ahead. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is an expert on bioterrorism and on terror medicine. He is an adjunct professor at Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School and at Rutgers University in Newark uh, for political science. Um... He has a new book, and this is kind of interesting. Um, it's called Chasing the Ghost, and it is uh, part biography and, and I think maybe just a little tiny bit uh, memoir uh, about uh, nobelist Fred Rains and the Neutrino. The book is called Chasing the Ghost, written by... Um, my guest this hour, Dr. Leonard A. Cole, and Leonard joins me by phone. Leonard, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, now, I mentioned there was there was just a little hint of memoir in this book. You were actually related to Fred Rains. Yes. Well, uh, may I start by politely correcting you, and it's not something that uh, is unique to you. His name is R-E-I-N-E-S, but it's pronounced Rhinus. Okay. And uh, he uh, is a cousin of mine, or he was. He passed away 20 years ago. Uh, and he won the Nobel Prize in Physics for a discovery of a subatomic particle called the neutrino. But uh, the uh, award, the Nobel Award, was given to him some 40 years after the discovery. He got it in 1995, and he made the discovery almost 40 years earlier. And as I was sitting next to my television set sometime in October of 1995, and the Nobel Prize awards in physics or science, but then also physics in particular, were announced, uh, the announcer said Frederick Reigns, and at first that didn't ring a bell with me, <laughs> because, because I it's I took, I took a, a few seconds when they said, oh, it was for a discovery of the neutrino. I said, oh, that's my cousin. Uh, but you, what you said, reigns, is, is a common uh, expression. The, the name is pronounced in different ways, obviously. Well, um, and, this, and despite this momentous discovery and the huge honor of getting a Nobel Prize, 
it's he's not exactly a household name. No, he's not. There were obviously other scientists who were more of a household name, who uh, lived uh, roughly at the same time. Well, he he was younger by far than Albert Einstein, uh, who of course is the premier, best known scientist certainly in our lifetimes, uh, and. Uh, or I shouldn't say only our lifetimes, but uh, in recent history, because there are a lot of young people who were not yet born when Einstein died in the 1950s, I believe it was, late 50s, early 60s. But the more important point is that uh, my book is about a uh, a fascinating character uh, who uh, had many talents beside being a great scientist. And we'll hope that the book uh, brings his uh, recognition of him and his accomplishments uh, to a greater number of people that would have known him otherwise. Now, it's, it's interesting that you point out that he was given the Nobel Prize many, many years after that huge account, accomplishment, and he was considered somewhat of a giant, or, or at the very least larger than life, in his field, um, among his peers. Uh, among those who worked with him especially, uh, who had some knowledge not only of of him personally, dealt with him, colleagues, students, uh, other uh, researchers, but among those who actually were part of what was called the Rhinus Neutrino Group, which began when when Fred Rhinus was at uh, Case Western University in the 60s. Uh, that was, uh, uh, actually it was called Case Institute of Technology, now Case Western. And then uh, in uh, 1965, when the University of California at Irvine was established as another campus in that state, uh, he became the founding dean of physical sciences, which included his department of physics and uh, the department of chemistry and mathematics. So he was uh, an overseer of areas beyond his own specialized field. So uh, he got to California uh, just about a decade after he had uh, made this enormous discovery, which I must say as well, uh, he did it with a colleague. The colleague passed away in the early 1970s, and by the time the award was granted, uh, only Fred uh, received the award because the uh, Nobel Prize is not given posthumously. And that was Clyde Cowan? Clyde Cowan, yes. Cowan. Right. That was his buddy. Uh, And they did it together, uh, and Fred always uh, grants that that Clyde had uh, a lot of uh, a lot to do just as he did with it but Fred continued studying the neutrino for years and decades after their discovery Clyde Cowan actually went to on to look at other uh, physics questions and did not stay with the neutrino so Fred was uh, regarded as the father of neutrino physics uh, down the line and uh, yes, he was a multi-talented guy, and some of them, as we may talk about, some of what he did beyond physics, uh, left an impression with colleagues, several of whom, when I, when I interviewed them, who are, they're all now rather elderly, but they, they remembered him with great, uh, in some cases, adoration. They loved him and said uh, he was larger than life. More about Nobelist Fred Rhinus and the neutrino from the author of Chasing the Ghost, Leonard Cole. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about Nobelist Fred Rhinus and the neutrino from the author of Chasing the Ghost, Leonard Cole. Straight ahead. Now, I, I've heard the phrase neutrino um, for many, many years. And I, I got, in fact, um, Leonard, I got a little bit confused when I saw 1995 Nobel Prize for seeing the neutrino and I thought well maybe this is one of those things we know it's there but we hadn't seen it yet um, until the 90s but that's not the case it was around and he was working with this but I'd be surprised if there were very many people who really understood what a neutrino was Um, not only are you um, actually on the mark even today people, never mind that it became more well-known in the 90s, uh, along with his discovery, um, uh, but, uh, or I should say, along with his getting the Nobel Prize and learning more about the discovery of the neutrino, but there's a, a side story, maybe we'll get to it in that uh, area as well, but uh, I, ask, I have many friends who are not scientists, and uh, I talk to them, they're intelligent, they're readers, and I say, do you know what a neutrino is? Uh, I say roughly half of them. I've talked to dozens of people and asked them the question. Um, roughly half, a, a portion of people say, yeah, I think it's a particle, it's part of an atom, but they have no knowledge of it beyond that. So it's still not well known. But interestingly, I think it's uh, very interesting, the neutrino was understood by uh, scientists who... Uh, were uh, part of the staff uh, with the production of the long-standing science fiction series, Star Trek, and then also more recently uh, with a long-standing sitcom was on for 12 years until about a year ago, uh, uh, The Big Bang Theory. I'll bet a lot of your listeners are aware uh, of uh, the television show called The Big Bang Theory. Oh, of course. And, and the neutrino is mentioned in both of those series, uh, and uh, uh, even though the focus was on, uh, uh, in the case of the Big Bang Theory, uh, a young kid, uh, a science wizard, a fictional science wizard, named Young Sheldon, who continues today to have a show that's quite popular, uh, and uh, he made reference to it in the bag, Big Bang Theory, uh, when he, and he actually made uh, reference uh, in the year 2019, oh, not that long ago, when he said, um, when he uh, was playing a part that would have been in the early 1950s, and the little boy is uh, maybe six, seven years old, maybe eight years old, uh, a science wizard he was, a savant, and uh, he was listening to the radio and waiting for the uh, announcement of the winner of the Nobel Prize in Physics in the early 50s, and he's listening and waiting, and he mouths the words, he hopes, neutrinos. And then the announcement <laughs> came back, no, it was for quarks. And he started to cry. <laughs> and he said, oh, I'm just like a neutrino, because neutrinos have the unique uh, characteristic of not interacting with other uh, subatomic or other particles of any, any sort. Almost always, they just continue to exist forever, 
literally for as much as long as time will allow as they're created they don't disappear but everywhere once in a while when i say rare i mean after trillions and trillions and trillions of them have gone through a detectors over a period of of um, seconds and minutes every few months or so or sometimes if you're lucky every every few weeks there might be a single reaction one of the reactions so before fred uh, became uh, the discoverer in 1956 when they confirmed it most scientists believe that this particle so rarely interacted that it could never be discovered and that's what was a great discovery uh, early on that fred made the very first detection of a neutrino well let me let me ask about this um most of us, when we talk about atoms, don't know very much about subatomic particles, but we have this sense that, you know, there are um, neutrons and electrons and how they hold together and how atoms, you know, combine to make molecules and so on. Um, but where does the neutrino fit into that? At, at first glance, I would be tempted to speculate that it was a part of a neutron. Well, yes, you would think so because of the sound of the name. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, I can oversimplify uh, the uh, the understanding, and it's oh, a great question. You know me so well. No, no. <laughs> yeah, please, nah. please oversimplify. Uh, the reason I say oversimplify is not only for your benefit or your listeners, but for my own. I am not a physicist. I do have a fairly strong general understanding of uh, all of the sciences, the basic sciences, chemistry, uh, physics, and, uh, and math, and uh, biological sciences. But I cannot claim anything like uh, the expertise that a neutrino scientist has. So I start with that. So if I can understand it, then I'm sure almost everybody, if they want to hear about it, can understand as well. You are correct. Um, let's talk about the simplest constructed atom in the universe, and that's hydrogen. And hydrogen consists of one uh, proton, which is a positively charged nucleus. In that nucleus is one proton. It, that's what it's made of. And outside that, there is a, an electron. Uh, at one time, it was thought that the electron orbited the, the nucleus, well, the proton. The electron is negatively charged, and the proton is positively charged, and the two charges balanced each other. That's why hydrogen, uh, that's how it exists. Now, along uh, into the 19, early 1930s, when it was discovered that there is yet a third particle, a neutron, that can appear in the nucleus. That is a, a particle that has no electric charge, and there is a way of breaking it down in, under some circumstances where it's, it's called the, the decay process. When a neutron decays, it decays into a proton and an electron. But it also decays in that, in that uh, construction uh, in a manner that uh, you're all familiar, or most people are familiar, with Einstein's formula of E equals mc squared. 
That's energy and matter. M is for matter. E is for energy. And C is the speed of light, which means, in, in simple lay language, that you can neither destroy energy nor destroy mass or matter, but they can be converted from one form into another. And so a tiny bit of matter, when multiplied by the speed of light squared, can release a huge amount of energy. And I think most people would be aware that when that, that is exactly the basis of the atomic bomb, the nuclear bombs. However, it was understood beginning in 1930 that, that the neutrino could, be, could not be detected because theoretically, theoretically, um, it existed, but because the interactions would allow a detector to, uh, de to find it so rarely. You would have to have huge detectors or a huge flux or volume of neutrinos passing through that detector to allow for the visibility um, of one interaction and therefore proof that the actual neutrino existed. And what was understood was that you would need a huge, uh, ultimately a huge size of a detector uh, that uh, would block out cosmic rays and other interfering uh, distractions from the citation and visibility of one of these, this infinite, high, very, very small, quote-unquote, subatomic particles. And the neutrino was theoretical beginning in the early 30s that uh, went on as a theory until the uh, mid-1950s when Fred made the discovery. When something like a, a, a neutrino um, is, is, is finally seen and discovered, and, and we start understanding these even tinier, almost unseeable um, components or, or parts, are we able to know enough to know if these things are energy or mass or both? Are we able to pick apart and find out what they're made of and what their purpose is? Um, well, this is a very good question, and I don't understand the formulas or equations myself that a, a nuclear scientist or a especially a particle scientist who knows about neutrinos, uh, could engage in. But the, the best answer is uh, still not fully satisfying to most of our brains who are used to the world as it is. When you go into the realm of decayed particles, like, as, uh, for example, when a neutron decays into a proton and an electron, when the reverse happens, it's called inverse decay, uh, you have an inverse process. Well, if you can take an electron and a uh, proton, a negative particle and a positive particle, uh, and you can somehow combine them so that they become a neutron, uh, that little extra bit of energy that uh, had been in, the, in that position is the neutrino. So the neutrino is a particle with ha which has some energy form, uh, but it is a quote-unquote neutral particle. It doesn't have a charge of plus or minus, and it has 
for a long time, even after Fred's discovery, that wasn't clear whether it had any mass at all. And only in the uh, oh, around the turn of the century, coming into the 21st, uh, shortly before that, there was demonstration that yes, it does have uh, three forms of neutrinos. There are, and each of them has a mass. But we're not get this. Even today, as we are talking uh, in the year 2020, that 21, I should say <laughs> that. Uh, we still don't know the amount of mass. It is so tiny. And uh, Richard Feynman, who uh, was a, a well-known and great scientist, and by the way, who had uh, Fred had worked with, but Feynman has said when you talk about subatomic particles, you have to forget what you think you know about reality. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, that the laws of physics seem very different. And that's what gave rise to what's called quantum physics or quantum mechanics. I don't think it would be helpful to go into that too much. First of all, I don't have the depth of knowledge. But we just have to understand that as, as is understood in the world of physics today, there's something called the standard model, which identifies some um, particles and uh, some forces that um, combine to, quote-unquote, make sense of the subatomic world. And there are three kinds of neutrinos in there, and there are uh, three other particles that are known uh, to uh, be part of the standard, particle, uh, the standard model. And uh, let's just accept the fact that the one related to the electron is the one that Fred discovered, but then there are others as well, something, particles that... It just would confuse most people if I said the muon-related neutrino and the tau-related neutrino. The point being that for the very first identification that there really is such a thing as a neutrino was made by Fred. Well, before we wander off too far into uh, particle physics, um, and, and I agree with you, if we tried to get too far into quantum mechanics and and some of the different aspects of physics that you know it it'd be difficult for me to even have a conversation but what made fred uh this is a wonderful question <laughs> what made fred go after these yeah. things yeah okay so what is fascinating, and I think this is the core of what I was interested in uh writing about. When I spoke, when I wrote wrote this book, uh, let me quickly tell you that my own personal history, uh, as it related to Fred, uh, he was uh, several years older than I was, sixteen years older, and uh, when I uh, was growing up, when I was age four, five, six, we would I would see him, and he would see me, obviously at family events occasionally, and. Uh, it wasn't until I was around uh, 10 or 11 years old, 12 years old, that uh, he left the east area, eastern area, and uh, where I live in New Jersey uh, and in the New York, New Jersey area, uh, after he got his uh, Ph.D. degree in physics at NYU, uh, New York University, uh, he went out and he actually, in 1944, began uh, working on a secret project that 
we later found out was the Manhattan Project and the atomic bomb. Uh, so he, in, at the same time, had a wonderful singing voice that uh, at, at, a, at a period, even though he was at uh, a college, uh, Stevens Institute uh, in New Jersey, that uh, majoring in engineering and then physics, he also was uh, part of show business there. He loved to perform. He had a great voice and at one time was being trained by uh, a metropolitan opera coach. And he thought that he might want to go into this as a, as, a, as a lifetime profession. Well, he ended up staying with physics. He loved it. And as a, a youngster, I have uh, looked at the diaries that he kept at the University of California at Irvine. Uh, there's a whole collection of uh, Rhinus materials. And in the diary, he said that uh, he felt that science was the answer to many problems, many issues of the world, that scientists tend to uh, go past ideologies and politics and religion and to get to the truth of matter and how we exist. Uh, that uh, He was then about uh, 15 years old when he wrote that in his diary. And later on, while he, he continued writing a diary, actually, that uh, during his early college years, he said, well, he has an ambition the ambition being to make one discovery. He didn't know what the discovery was. He didn't even probably know that the neutrino meant anything, uh, and uh, and build a career on it. So to make a, a book story of 300 pages into a sentence or two, his, all his life had been dedicated to that kind of hope and promise, prescience, actually, of uh, what ultimately became the truth. He built his he made the discovery and built his career on that discovery. But he also simultaneously continued to perform. He was an actor. He, uh, you've, Perhaps your audience has heard of Inherit the Wind, uh, the story of the Scopes Monkey Trial. Yeah. Uh, and a few years after it appeared on Broadway uh, in the uh, mid-1950s, while he was still in Los Alamos, uh, the four, that was in New Mexico where the atomic bomb had uh, been worked on and discovered. Um, and before, just before he went to Case Institute, he had the lead role of uh, Clarence Darrow, who was the great attorney who stuck to science, an attorney, but he uh, stuck to the science argument that evolution was a legitimate science and scientific uh, fact, uh, not to be confused by those who insisted that all life, all everything was created um, a few thousand years earlier, according to the Bible. And Fred had that uh, acted that role while he was doing his physics. The one that Spencer like, Tracy played in the movie. Exactly so. Actually, the movie was produced in 1960. Fred had acted the role in 1959, a year before the movie came out, in the local uh, Los Alamos uh, theater group. Uh, and uh, that was only about three years after it appeared on Broadway and became a hit. Now, it used to be, um, back in the 50s, 60s, that the public couldn't get enough science. We were just fascinated by the discoveries that were being made. 
And now it seems people seem awfully willing to dismiss it. Leonard, what do you what do you think when you when you see these these stories about science deniers and in uh, so on? Yeah, um, frankly, it's painful to me, uh, and it would have been painful, and it is painful to others whom I know, and I'm sure whom you know, and not necessarily scientists themselves, but they understand what is truth. How do we go by it? And uh, what's the guidance? And I'm sure you're talking about the COVID experience, the COVID-19 experience. Well, but, but it's been around, you know, throughout um, the the evolution of uh, concerns about climate change. Oh, yes, that's certainly true. Uh, but it, I think it has never reached the, the conscious, conscious level of concern as it is has been over this past year plus uh, with the pandemic, uh, what's the right way to go? Uh, now, it is also true that uh, Anthony Fauci, who is generally understood to be one of the the best conveyor of science information um, from the federal government, uh, that he has changed some of the directives that should be applied in the COVID experience. As more was understood and more was learned, and we're, we're living that right through today. You know, it is even the people who deny, say, climate change or deny that it's uh, caused by human beings, uh, they are, are fairly numerous. It, the argument that um, COVID itself uh, is, uh, well, argued is that it, we all tend to think of it as a naturally caused phenomenon. Uh, it is at least theoretically understood now to have been caused by bats, but we don't know for sure. And we don't know how long the effects of, say, the vaccination will be. Uh, they, we know for sure that they've been effective to a great extent for six-month periods, but will they continue, um, like, say, uh, vaccinations for measles or smallpox for much of your lifetime after you've been vaccinated, or will they be more like the flu uh, virus that needs uh, a vaccination every year because the strains change? So, so to take what is known and find what is known clear certainty into that kind of uh, understanding and uh, what we should do next is more political judgment uh, once you have the scientific understanding and how you deal with it. We're living through the unfortunate situation where some people refuse to accept scientific facts at any level, rather depending on, uh, I, well, I guess their own biases or their own wishes, their own hopes. And it's a problem of being human and being a part of this lifetime. More about Nobelist Fred Rhinus and the neutrino from the author of Chasing the Ghost, Leonard Cole. Straight up. The Tom Sumner Program.com 
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about Nobelist Fred Reines and the neutrino from the author of Chasing the Ghost, Leonard Cole. Straight ahead. What's next for Leonard now that this book is uh, completed? Uh, a very good question <laughs> that I wonder about myself. <laughs> well, I have, yeah, I, I've spent most of my publishing life, I uh, uh, have uh, now Chasing the Ghost is my 11th book. But I had, and it's a departure from what I have written about in the past. I've never written a biography. Uh, I have written a book that uh, achieved some level of uh, of clear success, called the Anthrax Letters, about the uh, anthrax uh, outbreak uh, that occurred weeks after 9/11. Uh, but that's a different story. Uh, and uh, I've always been concerned about health type of issues uh, that's totally different from my experience with Fred, um, but that was a personal family kind of thing, and I uh, felt close to that. But I do believe that uh, the issue of moment, which has my attention, as it does much of the world, is the uh, how you deal with infective materials like uh, the COVID virus that... Uh, disrupted uh, and actually devastated much of the world, continuing to do so in some places in the world. So I expect that ultimately I'll return to that. But right now, I am hoping that with your help and your interviewing skills, what you've done is gotten your audience to hear a little bit about a fascinating individual. And the one major lesson that that has taught me is that... uh, not all scientists are just 100% totally involved with their science. But if they have the abilities, the capabilities, to do more than one thing well, it can be done. And Fred is a living example, a great Nobel Prize winner for his discovery in physics. And simultaneously, while working on those, he had time and ambition and love to do uh, some theater and singing. He had a great voice, sang Gilbert and Sullivan, sang opera, uh, and uh, it's it's a, a thrilling story, and I say that I believe not only because I was related to him, but because of uh, knowing about what he has accomplished. Well, and 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 I I feel obliged to say that uh, it just goes to show that there's always room for the arts. Uh, indeed, Fred himself when would teach a course uh, called Rainbows and Things that was intended for non-science majors. He started teaching it in the early 70s at the University of California at Irvine. And in the first class that he offered it, there were some two dozen students, 24, 25. Two years later, there were close to 300 students who had enrolled. It was a, a course that excited him. And one of the things that he would tell the class was that don't think that because you understand science or aspects of science that it doesn't mean you should not fully appreciate what science as a discipline is related to. Namely, it's not much different than when you think of poetry as a discipline or when you think of history as a discipline 
uh, it's just another important discipline that's part of our human uh, endeavors. And uh, it's a, a lesson that he, he displayed throughout his life. He died a little over 20 years ago. Uh, but uh, his field and his interest, certainly in neutrinos, continues to thrive and expand. Well, Leonard, thanks so much for sharing a little bit about uh, Fred Rhinus and the neutrino in your book and with me uh, during this interview for the listeners uh, this morning. But um, let yes. me ask this, as I do with all my guests, to give uh, listeners an opportunity to find out more. Obviously, the book is a great place if you want to know more about Fred Rhinus and the neutrino, but um, but also about Leonard Cole and, and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website, Leonard? I do, uh, leonardcole.com. Or well, that's maybe easy. www, uh, with, uh, then you could just put in dot Leonard Cole, one word, L-E-O-N-A-R-D-C-O-L-E, dot c-o-m and uh, you'll get it well leonard thanks so much and uh keep up the good work thank you for the privilege of speaking with you and your audience take care bye and with that we'll have more of the tom sumner program straight ahead <laughs> Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Actually, I did rather well myself this past Christmas. The nicest present I received was a gift certificate, good at any hospital, for a lobotomy. <laughs> rather thoughtful. Now, now, if I may digress momentarily from the mainstream of this evening's symposium, I'd like to <laughs> sing a song which is completely pointless, but is something which I picked up during my career as a scientist. This may prove useful to some of you someday, perhaps, in a somewhat bizarre set of circumstances. It's simply the names of the chemical elements set to a possibly recognizable tune. taking notes because there's going to be a short quiz next period. <laughs> there's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercury and lithium and magnesium and dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium and tantalum, tenesium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and arc, and krypton, neon, radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. <laughs> This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. 
Program.com. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.